Good morning. Happy Easter. Well, that was a little weak. He is risen. Getting a little better. Let's go have lunch. <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. Can you imagine the budget for feeding y'all right now? Well, we want to welcome you. Man, we have been anticipating today. This is called the Championship Sunday of the Church of the Living Christ. It's when churches all across the globe from last night, because it was today, through today, will gather to bow and to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. This morning, I want to talk to you about a section there in John 19. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you might turn there. I'll get there in a moment. But I, I want to show you something first. Show me this thing here. Go ahead and get the slide up for me. I want you to look at that real closely. The Bible says that God's glory fills the earth, that creation screams into the glory of God. Last spring, my wife was riding down the road and she took this picture, not while she was driving, she stopped. And she showed it to me. And I about weep today. Do you see the cross? That's a pine tree in Montgomery, Alabama, over off Monticello. And it's really cool the way God does this. If you, we could do a study sometime about all the places that God puts the cross. Remember from Louis Giglio and the Hubble scope when we saw in distant galaxies there's the cross. And laminin in our DNA, the cross. But I just wanted you to see this because I can't really build upon what God's done. But do you see those crosses? They're shouting glory to the king. The pine trees for crying out loud. I know some of you now know, I want, I want you to be careful because I'm not going to pay you claims. Please be careful looking at pine trees driving down the road. Pull off and go, that's one of them doctor photos. No, it's not. I mean, who would think of this? Our king. And if creation can give God glory, how much more can mortal man that's made in the image of God give him glory and praise? Oh, friend, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be no choice. But it will be too late for some. So my prayer is that today literally dozens of you will surrender your hope and your life to Jesus Christ and you will begin to give him glory and worth and honor and elevate and magnify the name of Jesus. That's why we came. We came to celebrate resurrection. Some of you are like, man, I thought I came to wear my new shirt. I thought I came to wear my new hat. I thought I came to wear whatever. You know, that's one thing when we started a contemporary church. You know, because I do like to dress up. People don't believe that. I have a number of suits and sport coats. I only wear them for weddings, funerals, and championships. A few years ago, just to humor myself, I went into a clothing store at Easter and just looked at suits and went, aren't those nice? And I watched everybody scurry and freak out because they couldn't find the right tie and all that. And I say, thank God, thank God, I'm free. I'm free at last. I have not preached in a neck choking got to watch what I say, tie, since we started this church. And some of you are wearing ties. I went up to my friend Fred. Fred's got arms this big. Anyone the jelly bean count off yesterday? Have you had any, Fred? A little bit. 
He can lie to me. He's bigger than me. He can tell me what he wants. I walked up a minute ago. I had that town. He looked good. I said, come on up and preach. He went, oh, blah, 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 blah. No. He said, I just looked apart. And y'all look good. You look marvelous today, man. You look pretty. Some of you have straightened your hair and you've curled your hair. And some of you look different than I've ever seen you. And that is good. But let me tell you the good news. The tomb is empty. And the throne's occupied today. Jesus Christ got up 2,000 years ago. On this day, on a Sunday morning, he got up, he arose from the dead. And i got to tell you, this morning in prayer, I was already thinking about, today is a day of miraculous. And on that first Easter morning, they weren't going, oh, Jesus got up. They ran off, were stunned. They had to tell everybody. And here we are, we look back to the grave. And sometimes, you know my prayers today is that some of you have been lulled to sleep with a religious story. You've been lulled by the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And all I'm praying, friend, that today you would believe and you would trust and you would repent and you'd believe the gospel. And it would never grow old to you. My toughest challenge, if you ask a preacher, you always try to think, what can I preach on Easter that they don't know? And for some of you, I'm not fussing at you, but I'm just telling you the truth. Some of you only come on Christmas and Easter. Man, you're thinking, preacher's only got two sermons. You ought to come some other Sundays. I got other topics I cover. But I got to tell you, today there is a fresh word from the Lord God. And he wants to speak to you and he wants to redeem you and he wants to draw near. So let's, let's stand. Let's stand up. Can we do that? Let's just stand. If you've got a Bible, turn to John 19 and stand. I think this is going to come up on the screen. So you can look in your Bible or you can look on the screen. But I want you to read it with me. Y'all get there. I, I'm not seeing it, but I know it's coming. Oh, thank you, God. Let's read it together. Carrying his own cross, he went out which to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Y'all keep going. Wait a minute, wait a minute, we're getting there. Wait a minute, next, next screen. Didn't I just read that? Next screen. Pilate had a notice prepared, and he fastened it to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Keep, keep flowing with me. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother, sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it. They put a sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, watch it. Hey, everybody read this. It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And right there, Jesus said, it is done. It does say finished. It's finished. It's done. It's completed. We serve a completed, risen God this morning in faith. 
He is, hallelujah, that's right. There's nothing partial about our God. You can be seated. Some of you are saying, man, that brother, he's kind of excited about this resurrection story. My prayer is you're going to get as thrilled as I am or more thrilled as God speaks to your heart. As we look at that gospel account, I want you to know that I call this series last weekend of the day, Faith Quake. Now, there's something interesting about tremors and seismographs and those things that study earthquakes. And recently, we know there in Japan with a great earthquake and the devastation and the earthquakes in this country. Do y'all remember about 1989? There was an earthquake during the World Series as we were watching the baseball game. Does anybody remember that? There was a whole, like a, sh a whole lot of shaking going on in San Francisco. I've got friends that were at the ball game, and they were freaking out, and it was really a, a different kind of experience. And here's what I know. Earthquakes in the natural, they shake up things. They tremor. And then they have those aftershocks. Now, we don't know a lot about earthquakes when we live in Montgomery. But if you go, what do you know about hurricanes and tornadoes and thunderstorms? You go, I wrote the book. I know lots about it. But earthquakes, and here's what I, here's what I know about this. It's not just earthquakes that shake you up. I want you to hear this. If, if you miss this, you're going to miss what I want to tell you today. When you get close to God, when you get close to a move of God, things begin to shake. God has come that he would shake you and I up. When you get close to Jesus, he stirs. I remember that stirring in my soul when I first began a walk of faith. And that stir is still there. And it's there for you, friend, if you have Christ. And it might be, I've been praying today that some of you would get unsettled today. And you'd get shaken and God would make you feel uncomfortable. And you're going, but, 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 but wait, you're the preacher. You're supposed to make me feel good. No, I'm not. We are to comfort one another as a body of Christ. And that's a ministry that Paul talks about. But my job as pastor is somehow to create and to stir and to provoke and to shake you up out of your regular system of living that you will live a more godly, Christ-focused life. Some shaking to stir you. You're like, man, this preacher, he believes this stuff. I do. And see, I, the, the tough thing is we live in Western world. Some of us have gone to sleep. Oh, God, wake up the body. Wake us up today, Lord. Let us experience a seismic event in nature. You know, you can go to some churches, and they've never had a shake-up. Oh, God, let it not be here. We love to shake and change things up. Last weekend, you should have come in. We had this stage in the middle of the room, and it was shaped in a cross, and pastor spoke in the round, and he did this whole service. So you didn't look at my yarmulke too long. That's my ball spot. I make fun of it. Might as well because I'm stuck with it. I greeted a new guy today. He had less hair than me. I go, welcome to the house of the hairless. <laughs> Not really. But I, I got to tell you, there are some real good things about uh, not having hair. You spend a lot less money on hair dryers and shampoo. And brushes and those sorts of things because there's not a lot of purpose for them. Okay, here we go. Let's go on. Shaking up. You know, let me say this. If you're looking for comfort this morning, let me tell you what to do. Join Facebook. If you're looking for comfort today, join the local Y. And Fred will show up and train you. And you won't be comforted any longer. 
But do you feel the tremors of God's love this morning? God wants to shake it up. Think about it today. What if, what if grace came down your aisle and it came into your chair and grace of Jesus touched you today and you were forever changed? What if some addicts that might be here today got delivered and they became pastors in the future? Glory to God. What if there's some agnostics? What if there's some atheists in here today? And they get changed by the grace of Jesus. And they become our elders and our leaders of tomorrow. What if? I love to play the what if game. What if God came and showed his glory and did something fantastic in your life and you were forever changed? What if? Your community was different because of your witness. What if, just write down the day in your notes, it's free. What if, what if I let God shake me today? See, there was a lot of shaking going on there at the tomb. And it shook people and it changed them then and it's changing us today. So this is really a simple message, but I pray it's not diluted of the power of the gospel. I want to give you something right there in the middle of your page. There's a well, actually, there's, there's a message truth. I want you to see this. The redemptive plan of God expresses and invites the celebration of our faith. And today we've come to celebrate the risen king because he gives us hope. Now, let's go to this point. I want you to see in the box. These are, are words that change your life. I want to give you the first one. Here it is. Ready? I love you. Now, that word right there will change your life. You remember when you were dating that girl. And she was waiting for you to say, I, I, I like you very much. That ain't what she wanted to hear. And when you finally muster it up and you go, woman, I love you. And she goes and she calls her girlfriends and her mom. No, she doesn't. She goes and she tweets and she Facebooks now. It's immediate now. It's amazing. I can do things now like somebody will tweet me today around the country and they'll go, you said so-and-so. Did not. I, I did, didn't. I said that. You got to watch what you say. But I love you. It will change a relationship. And all the girls said, all the, glory, all the girls said, glory to God. I'm trying to help you girls out. You ain't working with me. Here, here's the next one. I am sorry. Oh, 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 oh. I am sorry. Oh, I hate. It has a hard time rolling off my lips. Not really. I'm sorry. I am sorry will change your relationships. It'll change life. It'll, it'll make bad relationships right. Apologies make a difference. And Christ followers ought to be the lead apologists that we sincerely ask people to forgive us as we forgive them as we've been forgiven in Christ we forgive one another and the third one is this I, this is the one the biggest three word verse 30 that we read it is finished man that that third word it is finished wow you're saying well I like that I love you and I'm sorry well I do too but it is finished those are profound words from Jesus Christ to us this morning and when I think about this word I'm going oh my goodness I mean he, he didn't say he was finished. He said it is finished. Did you know Jesus is not finished today with his work? No, you're saying, heck no, man, he's got a lot to do in me. 
It's going to have to do in you. And Christ, the hope of glory, is doing the work. Spikes driven in his hands, and he connects man to God, and he goes, it is finished. The sin debt has been paid. Sin has been canceled. Let's look at some resurrection realities today. I want you to fill these in with me. Maybe they'll help you. The plan of God is completed. The plan of God gets completed at the cross and in Christ. And when I think about it, God satisfies himself by the sacrificial life of his son. There were about 20-something of us Friday night got to do church till 1230. We went at 6 and got out at 1230. So today I'm letting y'all out at 2 o'clock. I'll be here by myself. I'm just kidding. I did have one lead man in here said, hey, pastor, we're ready to stay to four. And I thought, well, I'm glad you are. I'm going to eat. So I'm going to feed you everything I got right now. But we went to this thing called Secret Church. The guy that wrote Radical, Dr. David Platt, an amazing man of God. They call him Boy Wonder because he looks like he's 14. And man, he just loves Jesus and proclaims it. But listen, I want you to just write this in. This is a little bonus right about being completed. He said at the cross, God expresses his judgment on sin. And that's what happened. At the cross, God exposes and expresses judgment on sin. But also at the cross, God endures his judgment against sin. Jesus Christ made propitiation, made atonement, became the mercy seat, and he took on your sin and mine all upon the cross. And last weekend you're saying you preached about the cross, but we're going to get to the resurrection, but you got to see this. And the third thing, at the cross, God enables salvation for sinners. That's you and me. And the cross is awesome. The cross, you have to have a cross to have a resurrection. You have to have a cross to have an empty tomb. So last weekend, I tried to get you to focus on the cross. And when this new website comes up, I want you to go back and listen to the cross. But I pray that we'll march forward and we won't jump over it and we'll go. Because, you know, we call it Good Friday. That's always been amazing. I know why they call it Good Friday, but it didn't seem very good. And you're saying, but it is a Good Friday. I got out of school. Well, that makes it Good Friday. Hey, it is Good Friday. I got to do this. Well, that is Good Friday. But when you look at Good Friday in itself, it's a dark and it's dismal, and it's horrendous. I just can't put it in words. But when you take Good Friday and you put it in context of Holy Weekend, and you back out and you get the perspective of the empty tomb, it was a Good Friday, wasn't it, church? Because he had to start with a cross. He had to go to the upper room. He had to travel to Via Della Rosa, the road of suffering. He had to be mocked and spit and nailed upon a tree at Golgotha. And they took his whole limp body down and they buried him in a buried tomb. Didn't even have a tomb. Think about that. Didn't even have a place to bury Jesus, the son of God. Had to go to Joseph, the mayor of Mathia, and bar, I love that, borrowed a tomb. He only needed it three days. He wasn't going to stay there. And then by the power of God, he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It is called the glorious gospel of grace. You know what I was writing down? You can write this in. Jesus takes steps of surrender. As Jesus Christ moves toward the cross, it's all about surrender. He surrenders to go to the cross. He surrenders before in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Father, not my will, but your will be done. If this cup of wrath can pass from me, but he wanted the Father's will and he kept praying it three times, but Father, Dad, your will be done. Your will come to pass. Jesus surrenders to crooked authority to people that don't have his best interest in mind. He surrenders to a whip to be beaten, 39 lashes, and oh my goodness, we could preach on that all day. He surrenders to the cross, and yet he finishes the work. The cross was the goal of Jesus. He was born that he might die. That's the truth of Jesus. He came, gave his life freely as a sacrifice that we could be forgiven. The incarnation of Christmas is all about atonement. The coming of Jesus is all about Easter and Good Friday. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. A decisive blow against Jesus, they thought. It's really against the devil and the demons and the cross. God wins and and he breaks the power of evil and the devil, and he leaves the throne of glory. He spills out innocent, pure, perfect blood. Oh, friend, I just don't want to run through it because it's, uh, it's just too powerful. Let's look at the second one. The death of Jesus says you and I have forgiveness of sin. That's what the cross says. It says forgiveness. God's love is manifested. Listen to Acts 10.43. It says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives what? Receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The Bible says Jesus Christ has the name that is above every name. He has the name that is matchless. He has the name that every person will bow. And through the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of Christ, through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we have forgiveness of sin today, and we get rid of it, and we get to die to it, and we get to overcome. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. More than a conqueror with an ironclad will. He steadied himself. He moved toward Jerusalem for us. To fulfill the redemptive plan of God. God, thanks. Jeremiah 31, 34, write it in. I will remember their sins no more, says the prophet Jeremiah. Amazing. He forgets. You confess. You repent. God forgets and he moves it away. It's like, let me just give you this illustration. How many of you paid bills this week? You paid some kind of bill. Hold your hand up. You, well, if you don't, you're going to go to prison. Okay, well, this month. Anybody pay bills? Everybody, right? Okay. Now, I know you wrote that check or you put it on your card or whatever, and you've been worried about it ever since you wrote that check. Now, you shouldn't if you had money in there. I mean, if you're not, it's a bad illustration. But, but after you wrote that check, you didn't run around going, ah, you know, I don't know, I need, to, I need to write a check. I mean, you've already done it. It's already been paid. That's what happens at the cross. Sin gets paid for completely. Christ makes payment. He cancels debt. He cancels sin and the power of the cross. I mean, I'm just going, God, this is amazing. Heavy debt gets paid. It's like the guy, one time, this guy, he only came to church. I'm kind of picking on this today, but, you know, it works. Uh, this guy didn't come to church a lot, but he'd come occasionally. And every, every time he did, he was in, he was out, he was more out than in. But he would always go up to the preacher and go, oh, preacher, I got to do this, I got to do that. And then he'd see him six months or a year, and he'd come back. And finally, one day, he goes, Pastor, he goes, I just got enough. What must I do to be saved? What do I have to do? 
He says, uh, you mean to be rescued? Yeah, 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 preacher, whatever you call it. Saved, born again, rescued. I want to do that. Pastor looked at him. said, son, it's too late. The train's already left the depot. It's just gone. Can't be. It's too late for me. Now, that's not a good thing for a preacher to say, is it? Hey, it's just too late. You're hopeless. But you know what the good news is? Then he wanted to say, it's already been done, son. It's already been done at the cross. God's already made payment for you. There's nothing you can do. But you can repent and you can believe the gospel. And your sins can be gloriously forgiven. Oh, God, I've been praying. Lord, would people hear this with fresh ears? The third point, his burial says that you and I can bury our past. Now, I don't know about you, but does anybody have anything in the past you don't want nobody fishing and looking at? No, you can hold your hands up with me. I'm not trying to do that just by myself. Okay. I mean, there's just stuff in our past we don't like, we're ashamed of, and thanks be to God that he gives us forgiveness of that, and we can bury our past in the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of Christ. But the way I can illustrate this is we need to bury it. We need to, we need to deal with it. We need to let Christ cover it. But, you know, I, I like to work in a yard sometimes. And a few years ago, I was working in a yard, and I said, hey, you know, and, and I don't know what happened. I guess I was busy, and I kind of got a little slack. She goes, man, flower beds are looking a little weird, you know. Because and, and, usually I'm pretty good. I just do it. But I said, I know, you know. She goes, you ought to go out there and really weed. And I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I think weeding's worse than taking out the trash. I mean, you know. I mean, I took it to the trash as a little kid, and I thought, when I get grown, I am taking out the trash. <laughs> Here I go now, pushing the green can out, you know. I'll be pushing that trash can to Jesus comes, okay? But, but weeding, I mean, weeding is for losers. I mean, I just don't like it. So I get out there, you know, and I'm pulling some weeds, and I'm sweating, and, man, I'm trying to get the flower beds, and I got all my straw over there. I already planted my flowers. I'm thinking, man, it's going to look good. And, man, there was a sporting event was coming on, you know, and I was getting kind of tired. And uh, I, I got about halfway through, and I just decided I can fix this. I got that straw, man. I put it out, man. I did the part I done. I did the weeds. Man, Donna comes out. Oh, babe, this is gorgeous. Hallelujah. And I went in the house. About, about seven, eight, nine, ten days later, she drives in the driveway one day. She's looking over. She's like, man, them beds look horrible. And my wife is so smart. And I can't lie to her. Oh, I want to. But I can't lie to her. And she drove up. And she said, baby, she goes, uh. Did, did you get all those weeds? <laughs> no. I was trying to hide it, and it resurfaced. You, you know what I'm saying? It just came up. And some of you are going to go home this afternoon. You're going to be out there weeding like, man, she's going to catch me. She's going to catch me. Here's the point of that story. Sin will resurface its ugly head if we don't deal with it properly. Did you know that? We have to bury it in the blood of Christ, in the grace of Jesus. We have to let Christ cover us afresh. Lord, burial says you and I can bury our past. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus Christ covered the sins of my past, present, and future, and that I'm found innocent and complete and holy in Christ, in his righteousness, not my righteousness. But he calls me to be holy. He calls me to be sanctified. That's a whole other message. Fourth thing. His resurrection says that you and I can have a hope for the future. Now, I don't know about you. We, today, we've talked a lot, about, a lot about looking back at the past at a historical event called the cross. 
And it's so much more than a historical event. But 1 Peter 1.3, I want you to write down this. 1 Peter 1.3, great verse. We have been born again into a life full of hope. Circle the word hope if you turn there. Through Christ rising from the dead. Hope means this. You and I have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear in Christ. Our future is covered in Christ. And it's all about a promise. And, and the guilt of our past is covered, Ephesians 1.7. Worrying about our future, 1 Peter 1.2. We don't have to contemplate and be anxious and worry. And so many of you this morning, in turbulent financial times, I certainly understand. And I certainly, I got the t-shirt. You want to see it? No. I mean, we can all worry. But it does us no good. Worrying is like a rocking chair. All you do is rock and you go nowhere. It's like I used to ride the bicycle. I've graduated to the elliptical. But when I rode the bicycle, I probably rode it a few thousand miles over, you know, however many years I rode it. And I would ride this thing. But there was one thing about it. I, and people go, man, you're serious. And I was riding at least 15 miles, three, four days a week at one time. And they go, man, you ride a lot. Where do you go? I go, well, to be honest with you, I don't go nowhere. I stay in the same place. I ride a stationary bike. I, I never even left the room. And that's kind of the way your worry is. Man, you're all fretting and you're worried about next week and next month and retirement and this and that. And tomorrow's got enough worries of itself, said Jesus. Jesus said, don't worry. Man, this is free. I don't know why I'm saying this. Somebody needs to hear it. Here's the fifth one. This is critical. A response is needed. A response is needed. An impossibility. We have to give a response here. We follow Christ or we stay on the porch. Get off the porch. Abandon yourself. Go after Christ. Redemption's in this room this morning. Death cannot hold Christ. And he goes after it. Now, you can refuse, you can deny, you can reject, or you can receive the gospel today. You can receive Christ. But he was buried, rose, reigns, and conquers us through faith, if you're willing. I want to give you a couple of things I think are good. The cross meant sadness and despair. But the resurrection brings great joy to your life. The cross in tomb, but the resurrection enthrones the Lord of glory. The cross ignores him, but the resurrection praises Jesus, much like the tree I opened with. The cross means a rebel died on a cross, but, or, or he died. But the resurrection means there's a king, there's a king of kings, and there's a Lord of lords. The cross laments, it cries, it's broken, but the resurrection lauds the king of glory. The cross means that he dies. The resurrection means that Jesus got up and that he lives. The cross means somebody's a pauper, they've lost, but the resurrection means there is a prince that died upon the cross of glory. The cross means there's a, a question for us to ask, but the resurrection means that God gives an answer. The cross means that you and I are unworthy, but the resurrection means worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain for us. The cross means you and I are a victim, but the resurrection means we are a victor in Jesus Christ. The cross means we're weak, but the resurrection means there is strength of life that will call on the name of Jesus. Whew. That was hard. The cross. God's got an antidote to the cross. It's the resurrection. He's alive. Here's, here's what I've been praying. God, could you give a collision today of mind and heart with Jesus? Could he just come and do something powerful? Would you admit you're a sinner and you're in need 
of the gospel. You're in the need of a savior. Would you just admit, Lord, I have blown it. I need a savior. I need to be rescued. Lord, I'm trapped. I'm not going to make it out of this thing called life without you. Lord, I admit that I need Christ. Secondly, agree. We agree with God that, God, you have a way. God, you have a plan. God, you have holiness. God, you can give me a fresh start in my life through the cross. And then accept. Will you accept the free gift of God this morning? Will you receive? Will you trust in Jesus? The enemy gets crushed at the cross. And at the resurrection, our God reigns and rules and overcomes. And Calvary is God's only bridge to eternal life. And this morning, I'm praying that you will receive Christ and you will get eternal life. You'll have your sins forgiven, but you'll know abundant, outrageous life in the Savior. That's my prayer. Oh, God, do that. Admit we're sinners. Agree. Accept. God, come. Pray with me. Bow your heads right now. Jeremy, if you can play on the keyboard just a minute, man. Just get with me. God, come right now and dwell this place. Inhabit hearts right now, Lord Jesus. God, right now, as I saw those two young women at Troy on our Thursday night service gloriously give their lives to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that today there would be men and women and boys and girls that hear my voice and that they would have heard the gospel and that Christ would knock on their heart, that Christ would be pushing them toward commitment and they would open their heart and they would say, Jesus Christ, I repent, I turn from sin and I look to you, Jesus. You're the only way to God. I pray that you see Christ today high and exalted. And that you would receive him, that you would invite Jesus Christ to come and be born in your heart. That you would ask the Holy Spirit to come and dwell and mark you as a child of God. And then you would choose to follow Christ from this day forward and you would be a true Christ follower. Right now, friend, with all the passion of the cross, with all the glory of the resurrection, did anybody make a prayer or a cry for mercy this morning? Would you just... Would you just stand? I'm going to invite you to stand in the house of God for Jesus Christ. That's right. Hallelujah. He stood for you. Will you stand right now? If you receive Christ, you believe the gospel today. Stand, friend, right now. Don't be ashamed. It is the glory of God for man that he would save sinners. Hallelujah. 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 Would there be others? I choose to follow Christ. Let me say this, and they're going to get into a great song. Salvation is not a prayer. We have been confused. It is so much greater than a prayer. It is a relationship of a changed heart that follows a holy God. And from this day forward, you that stand, follow Jesus in freshness and abandonment and get to know your king and honor your king and give him glory and give him praise. And by no means, don't let the pine trees out praise you. Amen? That's the gospel. Right now, man, we rejoice in you and your decision. You can be seated. Right now, they're going to sing a great song. Carry, carry your name. Carry your name. Do you want to stand or be seated? Seated. Stand, church. Stand.
flashlight up to the sun you're just like what is that there's not much light matter of fact some people would probably just call you point weird and that's the way many of us live the gospel we only stay in little huddles of other believers but let me tell you something you take a small flashlight into a dark room and it will illuminate and it will eradicate the darkness and this morning the message is as you go out, if Jesus Christ has been born in you anew and the hope of Christ is yours, shine your light in a dark world. Go to the places that are dark where people need a Savior, a living Savior. Our God is the God of the living, not of the dead. Blessed be the name of Jesus until we meet again. May you let your light shine carry his name his name is above all names may you die that he might live glory to Jesus amen